Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Long Talk. Hi, as you can see, I'm here with Stephen to, uh, to help me with this one today because we have got a special man. We've got uh, Cameron Bell, the CEO of Northland. And uh, Stephen, Northland is your your home province, this is one I think you're looking forward to. Oh, very much so. And um, I'm, as you can see, I'm just dressed in the appropriate attire this morning. So, uh, no, really looking forward to catching up with Ken. So, hi, Cameron. Um, thank you very much for uh, joining us. I think we're all in uh, a, a sky blue today. That's, uh, I mean, we dressed appropriately. Um, so, from what I understand, you only started at the beginning of March in this role. Uh, so, it's been uh, a bit of a baptism of fire. Yeah, look, it has. It's, uh, and kia ora, guys, and thanks for getting us along here. Um, and the screens look great in the uh, best provincial colour in the country. Um, but, yeah, listen, um, it's interesting. During the during the interview process, the uh, the items that were in play that needed to be attended to uh, were, were pretty much superseded by the optimisation review that came out from New Zealand Rugby around the cost-saving element. So they paled into insignificance, and then... <laughs> It was just like this insane double whammy of uh, COVID-19 coming out, which which really just made, put everything into perspective as to what was important, you know, uh, and it boiled it down. So, listen, um, yeah, look, it's tough. It's, it's, it's no tougher for us than a lot of the other people out in the community. So, um, you know, this, it's a... Look, it's, it is a privilege to be leading Northland through this time. So, you know... I'd rather I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. This is this is uh, where I want to be leading. So yeah, cool. Well, we'll get into all that. But let's let's find out a bit about you first. Then, so what is what was your first rugby memory, either, either playing or, or watching? Where, where where how far? What 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 got you into rugby in the first place? <laughs> That's a disappointment that uh, during my primary school years, my uh, primary school didn't have rugby. So I played soccer and I didn't excel at that at all. And in uh, being blessed with slow twitch fibres, uh, rugby was just you know one of the beauties of our game is it accommodates all shapes and sizes. So um, I left all my mates at uh, Intermediate and went and played for uh, Kaidao in Monganui under Ginger Johnson. So anyone in Monganui will know Ginger Johnson is an absolute um, uh, icon of the community rugby. And probably my biggest memories were being unspectacular making up the numbers but just loving it you know as a lot of kids do oh, so I think there's nothing special in those those first memories so you you don't have memories of uh, getting woken up at uh, three o'clock in the morning with a fire on talks to your blacks on, on their tours to europe and that oh, kind of thing? look apologies yeah, yeah yeah look dad and i always got up in the middle of the night anytime the all blacks were uh, overseas and, and look it's, it's funny even though i'm from wanganui one of the big memories i have is uh Joe Morgan in South Africa. Um, correct me if I'm right. It might have been. Was it '76? Just the, you know, it almost looked like the fields were dry and there was dust and 
you know, we were being robbed blind by um, by some refereeing decisions when Robertson was held back for the try, but um, and still getting gooses on the back of the neck when they're playing at Cardiff Arms Stadium and they'd be going out there and uh, just just seeing the admiration for the All Blacks. So yeah, listen, a lot of that, a lot of a lot of early morning, frosty mornings playing playing over at Spring Springvale where. Uh, Bill Osborne, our local hero, used to train and uh, and was a Kyra man. So, yeah, look, it's um, it's 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 just been you know there was a lot there was a strong bond between the rowing the rowing fraternity where I sort of moved on to and, and rugby. But yeah, there was nothing spectacular until I sort of went to well, it wasn't even spectacular when I went to Massey. But yeah, yeah, and it's and it's interesting. We'd love to get back to those days where kids actually follow their heroes even closer to get out of bed with the Milo, with the hot chocolate to, to watch the games in the middle of the night. No, absolutely, and that's I, I do think yeah, getting getting kids connected back with the teams and with the players has, has got to be the, the the way to grow the sport um, in in the long run. So how did you so what was your journey into sports administration? Did you did you take a sports degree or or a business degree? No. No, no. Um, uh, Purely, purely out of necessity. So um, we moved around a lot, and uh, we landed in Kitty uh, And Kitty has got an awesome, awesome rugby club. Probably one of the best in the world. But it's um, it uh, it was a club that had been led by guys. So the previous, so I I, I got involved in community rugby. Right. So my son was playing. We did the. I did the refereeing, associate refereeing, a guy called Pete Nock, who's the father of Sam Nock, plays for the Blues now. A great local coach, and I was uh, I did some administration, and uh, then a guy called Paul Halverson stepped into that, and then there was an opportunity. The club was in dire straits. There were probably three on the committee, and uh, the, council, uh, the, the council at that stage were kicking us off the domain. So it was a really, it was a real, it was a real, polarizing issue that sort of that, no no nobody else to do the job it's as simple as that so there was a great opportunity to jump in and uh listen uh, as as much as this role is there's a big element about giving back to the community the leading kitty kitty through that um change you know and, and i was i was picking up the baton from you know a previous president that i know was paying the bills for stuff that the club couldn't afford to at that stage so that's the sort of thing that embeds the passion for our game. You know, guys like Brian Mather, that was the president there, um, you know, sweated, toiled. But we were in a situation where council had every right to kick us off, but we actually took a legal injunction out against them to change of council to come in. And then Wayne Brown came in, and, and Wayne, who I will support uh, through and through, just he... If you've been up to Kitty Kitty, have a look at the facility that's there there. And you've got uh, young boys and girls playing netball, rugby, and the place is chock-a-block now. So there's this community legacy that's not my legacy. It's a legacy of the people that were in the community and uh, on the on the committee at the time. So that was kind of like I, I got to understand grassroots. I got involved in uh, Tanifa Cup, which is massive for all our junior rugby up here, uh, and even Roller Mills for one year um, where my son played. Uh, and then, then we had the... We had to move away for about eight years, which was the saddest time. And I kind of moved to. If I found that you know, in a small community, you can you can really affect some change and 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 do some things. When we went down to uh, the Tron, you know, they had well established systems and people doing a really really good job. You know, so there wasn't really the need or desire. So I got into rowing, coaching at Hamilton Boys High, um, for the, until we came back here. But this is a job I've always, you know wanted so you know it's um yeah i couldn't i couldn't be sound it sounds it sounds um a bit perverse but i i i'm i'm loving this opportunity to lead northland simple as that just just for our international audience because we have people from around the world um kirikiri uh i'm i'm not entirely sure where it is but i know it's, it's somewhere in northland um what population of how many of what yeah, look, it's probably. I think. I think when we were when we were fighting the council, it was probably around about seven or eight thousand. Uh, in the time that we were eight and eight years, it's probably up around. I think surrounding areas could be ten to fifteen thousand. So it's probably 
probably one of the best places in the world. Um, unfortunately, you can't visit us at the moment, but uh, great rugby club. Like it's, uh, I think, I think it's the biggest playing participation numbers in Northland. Um, there's, there's, um, there's. Um, it's it's also got the netball facility there as well, and honestly, the place on a Saturday morning uh, is just chock a block. It's just like, you know, the only game in town. So it's yeah, it's um, it's just it's it's for international people. They'd probably they'd probably be more familiar with the Bay of Islands, Pai here. So it's just north of there, and um, it's a it's a kiwi fruit, mandarin growing place. It's a lovely place, great community. Farming area north of. Um north of Auckland, uh, so it, which for anyone in the northern hemisphere, oh, yeah. the, fur, the further north you go, the colder it gets. Down here, though, the further north yeah. you go, the hotter it gets. So good weather. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at the water at uh, over towards Cody Cliffs. So Cody Cliffs is a um, world-famous golf course. Cavalli's are out to my right, and there's a whole lot of bait balls just playing up out in the water at the moment, but we're not allowed to go and touch them. So, so yeah, so no, look, it's it's to be very clear, it's nowhere near Auckland, <laughs> not even north Auckland. We we are the far we are the far north. Yes, the guys, if I can, guys, if I can just jump in there, Kitty Kitty's got a very special place in in my heart. I actually made my debut as a commentator. There was a game taken to Kitty Kitty. It was a uh, back in those days. It was the ITM Cup, and it was uh, Northland the Auckland, they, and that was played on the domain that particular day, and they had temporary stands, and I think there was a crowd of probably about five or 6,000 that, that that rocked up, and it, it was a great day. Wow. I can, I've got a couple of memories from the day. Also meeting Winston Peters, who <laughs> just happened to be up there, the brother of Ian Peters, who was on the, I think he was a chair of the New Zealand Rugby Union at uh, at one stage and um, by the way happy birthday to Winston Peters it's his birthday today I won't say how old he is um, so really special memories there and about two years ago my wife and I actually uh, had, a, had a New Year's Christmas New Year's holiday out there so we went and had a look at the new facility in Kitty Kitty the rugby club and sports club and I've got to say it's very very impressive heading up towards the uh, Stones store I think it is um, yeah, if anybody yeah. is ever up that way yeah, listen. Look, it's 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 amazing facility. And one of the other things that Wayne Brown did was he also uh, he brought a blues game. They same would have been the same setup, Stephen. They had, they had uh, rugby trucks around the side as corporate boxes with big curtain sides open, and there was thousands of people there. I think it was a blues shivers, blues chiefs. I'm not too sure, but it was a blue. It was a it was a super rugby game on the domain. He said it would happen, and we never believed it. Well, a lot of people didn't believe it, and it was just amazing. And that's community rugby. If you take the rugby back to the community, they'll just come out in their droves, you know? Yeah, I once went down to, um, oh, I've gone blank, it's where it was now, the, but the uh, pre-season game between the Hurricanes uh, and the Crusaders. And again, uh, Ekatahuna was where that was being held, which again, <laughs> yeah. middle, of, yeah. middle, of, middle of nowhere, we couldn't, um, we, we, we even couldn't get back to um, Wellington, so we had to stay overnight. Um, because it was that that remote that we couldn't get a bus or a train back, um, but yeah, no, get, getting those games out to the, out, out to those places is fantastic. So you've you've so you've come up through or uh, the the Northland uh, kind of community rugby. Uh, you, you kind of you, you hinted at it during that first thing. So what were your kind of um, your key performance indicators or your goals that you were given when you when you when you were interviewing? What 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 what? How do they decide if yeah. what what a successful CEO looks like? Before it changed, I, th I think probably you know there's um, <clears throat> the 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 big the big point that uh, I was challenged to uh, deliver on was connection with community. So you know at uh, the the word the word executive level doesn't sound right. It's not appropriate, but at at my level, I think we'd we'd lost that connection with. Uh, with our community so fundamentally the game boils up from the community right so that's where it starts that's where all blacks come from and northland had kind of just deviated a wee bit away not so much the people at work uh in my team so we're doing a great job but there was an element to make sure that we were communicating with them so so that was a big part of the community i'd say 80 percent of the waiting um there's a big responsibility around finance fiscal uh viability which kind of plays in a lot. I think uh, 
10 years ago, Northam was in quite a dire state. Uh, I think we were probably 700k in the red and the board and the team over those last 10 years had done a great job to claw us out of that hole. So there was no way that anyone wants to go backwards. So we put our game under pressure in, in the regions. Um, and then and then there's also, so um, in this role, it's a balance between uh, community and high performance. I think we probably just gave the, the high performance, a, a, you know, just we got the balance out a wee bit. So as well as we're bringing the, the community up into the position where it should be, um, we've still got to deliver at the high performance end because that's what our fans come along to watch at Seminoff Stadium. Um, and one of the things I did say, uh, I did say to uh, the board during the interview process, I said, I said, what does success look like? And then we talked about community engagement, financial, I said, and if Northland pull off this, the triple scissor move, that's going to be success. Now, you know, as a young boy in Wanganui growing up, um, I knew I knew of Joe Morgan and I knew of this this mythical move that the Going Brothers would pull called the Triple Scissors, and I think you know if a if a provincial team are bold enough, confident enough, and feel support enough to give a move like that, it's insanely complex. But when you've got the flair and talent that comes out of uh, Northland, we're probably the only region in the world that could pull something like that off. So if we have a go at something like that. So the, the confidence and the, um, you know, we talk about getting the kaupapa of our region consistent and aligned. And and and, um, and and from from my perspective with a rowing background, it's all about making the boat go faster, right? So we get the understanding of who we are, what we want to do, how we're going to play rugby. Our waka will go fast, you know? So really much, um, that's the piece that's kind of been put in abeyance a wee bit, and it's really, um, I, I feel for the high performance team at the moment. There, uh, you know, George Conia and Graham Jews. Yeah, they had some great stuff coming along in terms of what they were developing with the team. But that's, it's, it's just in a holding pattern at the moment. So, so success, yeah, triple scissors. Let's give it a go. But uh, community engagement is absolutely, absolutely essential. Now, one of the things about Northland that's different to some of the other provinces is that it's a what four hour drive across from one end to the other um something like that so the uh, how do you uh, if, if if you're if you like auckland you can get anywhere within half an hour uh it makes it much easier to reach all your community how are you how are you kind of keeping making sure you don't sort of leave some parts behind and some parts zoom ahead uh, so yeah, so look, absolutely. Uh, well, that's that's an absolute challenge. I think with the longest geographical union in the in the country, so like uh, to Hapua, right down to Wellsford, um, it is a challenge. Um, and up till now, uh, probably in the last year, the, the union really engaged well. So there's academy up in Kaitaia, and we've got our uh, regional development officer based based in the far north as we do in, in Whangarei and uh, with access to Daigle. So listen, it's um, I, th I think the community would probably tell you that we weren't doing a very good job maybe two, three years ago, uh, realigned better towards the end of this year. Now, I'm, I'm just speaking from my, uh, my understanding of it having come in, but um, I can tell you from a Northland Rugby Union perspective, we want to make sure that Northland is not perceived as a Kitty Kitty Union or a Whangarei or a Wellsford or a Kaitaia. It is a Northland Provincial Union and the pride in the union is just amazing. So that's one of the things I'll be really driving through. Um, and it had already been started by the team. So it's not like I'm coming in sprinkling, sprinkling magic dust all over the place to make it right. There was some really good stuff already in place. So this is just about coordinating, pulling all those threads together. So we're coordinated in our, in our understanding of Northland. And, and I guess the communications at the moment, uh, Paul, are very much focused on getting out to everyone in the community. So um, Wednesday night, uh, I had an update via Zoom to, I think, 
I think we've got 40, 41, 40 plus clubs. We've got more clubs than anyone. Um, Auckland, I think, are probably less than 20. So we've got 40 clubs, which are often dictated by iwi or hapu or, you know, local local areas. Um, so of 41 clubs, I went out to connect with the um, just the main contacts and 55 people turned up Wednesday night to get a bit of a update from me, you know, and... Uh, that just shows these are people in some of some of the remotest areas, like where we are, even where we are, our Tapawaitahi. You know, our our broadband speed is seven megs maximum, so we can still communicate. You know, so when you hear people talking about I, I need fibre, we watch all our telly on on seven meg download, and if I call out, I'll be telling the kids just to hop off the devices. So it's but it's they've been really so so we've got people in remote remote locations. You you would not understand how remote if the you know the the Horekis and the um you you have a look at you have a look at the top end of our country and just see how remote. But these people came out on a Wednesday night, um, and they listened, and they they asked some questions. But the big thing is they they saw they got an understanding of my co-papa. So when I say my, I mean Northland Rugby's co-papa. So my my commitment to the board was I was going to go out and I was going to get around the community and I was going to be involved. I'm happy to put the pads on the posts, mark out the fields. I'll go and referee junior rugby just to hear what grassroots are telling us. It's that that important. So so yes, this challenge. Um, the tyranny of distance. Um, look, technology is probably, you know, out of all this COVID stuff, there's some stuff we're going to learn. We're going to do some things differently. I think um, I, I think personally there's a big opportunity for us to make our game even better. Um, and and this way of communicating with our community is, is great. When, they come, when the community comes to me and says, enough, enough, we've heard enough from you, then I know I will have hit the right mark in terms of communicating with them. So we're doing everything we can to close that gap out, Paul. Absolutely. So how is your focus? I mean, you mentioned that it changed initially because of the, um, I think it's McKenzie-led uh, change that um, that New Zealand Rugby came out with, and I know that the, the findings of that are embargoed, so um, I won't ask you exactly what, 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 what the suggestions were. But uh, And then also now with the COVID, how, you said you were 80%, 80% community about 10 or 15% finance and about 5 10% um, high performance. How has that flipped then with, with COVID? Oh, yeah. So, 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 yeah. so, hey, so the McKinsey report was, was pretty much around some, um, uh, they were just being, uh, it was pragmatic cost trimming is really how I'd describe it. And I think um, when I came in and looked at it, I've had a lot of experience with McKinsey and at Spark and BP and other, and, um, and it, and it just looked like prudent um, address of, of of things that need to be trimmed. Um, so so so, what's happened since COVID? Yeah, the financial viability is just completely. It hasn't. It hasn't. Um, it's almost like uh, it's now eighty percent, and community's now eighty percent. I'm running at one hundred and sixty percent. That's kind of that's that's kind of the reality, and and I'm no different to anyone else. It's like just insanely busy. It's big, long days. Um, so the commitment to community is, is exactly what it was. If, I, if, if we get that wrong, um, the decisions that, that I have to make further down the track um, will be disconnected. So, and a lot of those decisions will flow out of the financial um, the financial focus. So, look, COVID's had a massive impact. Um, uh, sponsors, understandably, can't commit to the season. So, um, when, you, when I look at the jersey that you're wearing, um, the, the the Ricos and the Lion Red, and, and uh, we've, we've we've still got Semco as our as our as our uh, name branding. Uh, those those people have been fantastic, but they just can't. They're not in a position where they can commit to us. So that's a big revenue stream loss. Um, when you look at projections around, uh, if if we're able to play Mitre Ten, potentially it could be to empty stadium. So then that has an impact on gate takings because we have the most passionate fans in New Zealand. Uh, and Steve, Stephen will know that really well. Um, and and then hospitality and all those sorts of things go out. The other thing that's really um, underpinned us is a, all of our roles have a community uh, element. And because of that, Oxford Trust 
have been just such a resilient partner, um, key stakeholder to the support of Northland Rugby. Um, Sorry, who, who are as soon Oxford as the, Trust? Oxford Trust are the gaming uh, trust up in Northland that support Northland Rugby and a lot of other sports. So if you think uh, with, with gaming facilities closing and pubs and what have you, uh, their last payment to us was in in March, and we are using that to finance roles along with the MSD subsidy through this month. So, so the absolute focus of the board is to make sure that Northland's uh, rugby union is financially financially viable at the end of this year and at the starting line for the 2021 season. And it's a real, it, honestly, it's a real challenge because also the other element of funding is New Zealand rugby funding, uh, and um, that's that's under risk at the moment. So there's a lot of big macro issues that um, that New Zealand rugby are dealing with that obviously flow down to us as well. So you know we've been forced to uh, cut our cloth to um, anticipate you know, the future and make sure that we're here in the future. And that's that's the hard piece at the moment. So the good work that was in play, a lot of that, you know, we can't engage one-on-one, but we're trying to do as much of that as we can online at the moment. It's a big challenge financially. So uh, I've, I've read in, this, in stuff that uh, Southland have reduced their staff to a four-day working week rather than a five-day working week. Have you, are you publicly allowed to, uh, able to say what, how, you, how you're cutting your cloth? Yeah, and look, yes, yes, I can. And uh, listen, we probably, I'd like to think that, um, you know, one of my goals is for Northland to lead in terms of what we're doing and taking leadership positions and being proactive around this sort of thing. So, um, look, immediately the borders were closed. I was, I was actually in the in the in the um, in the in the box with the with the Blues board, right? So. Um, you know, for the first time in I don't know how many years, the Blues have got momentum up. Sammy Knock plays his best Super Rugby game, and it's just looking like this could be a turning point for the Blues. And then the call comes in. Don McKinnon, the chair, gets the call that Jacinda's closed the borders, and uh, conversations were just—it was just like wildfire going around that room. So, so coming out of that, you know, it was clear. Um, driving back with Arjit. Singham, who's our um, chairman, uh, we need to move quickly. So, look, effective like seventeenth of March, we just put a we put a freeze on all expenditure. So that kind of signalled the, the the moves, and then we we were the first provincial union to apply for the MSD subsidy and receive it. And that and that tip came from one of our community. So Kylie Harper leads our. Uh, Northland Junior Council, and that's one of the benefits of communicating with community. You know, some of the answers lie out in the community, so she really helped us there. Um, so, you know, we've requested holidays on all our rentals, um, but the hardest thing is the changes that we're making to our staff. So all our staff that aren't working full-time, we've got a core group that still are working full-time. Um, excuse me, effective effective this month, they are moving to 80% of salary. Now, the work, they are all endeavouring to, you know, some of them will still be working the 40 hours a week and some of them just simply can't. So our staff for the next four weeks uh, are already on 80% and it includes the MSD subsidy. Um, At the end of that four weeks, unless something happens, uh, the bulk of our staff will be on MSD subsidy only. So the message is that we've, we're cutting hard and deep and it's the most hurtful thing to have to do. So you've got great people who through, you know, if it was a performance management issue, that's, you know, I'm quite comfortable to do that. But none of these people uh, deserve to have this impacted on them because they're so passionate about what they do for the game in our community. And listen, I've, I've shared... Um, I've shared that with uh, with our community and and in the communications that have gone out. Um, but you know, post the four weeks of, of April, we've got another eight weeks of the subsidy, and when that when that stops, um, that that's you know, there's I'm hoping that Jacinda will come out with an extension so we can hold on to these people. Um, maybe there's maybe there's a change in the level and our activities out there. Um, and, and maybe Oxford Trust 
uh, will be in a position to 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 be to be able to make some level of grant so we can hold on to these people. But beyond that, um, all the, the the hard reality is that redundancies are 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 an option, and uh, that's that, yeah that that really really hurts. Um, and so so Northern Rugby is cutting its cloth hard hard and deep, and uh, yeah yeah that yeah. Yeah, and to do that, and to have, I mean, when you say seventeenth, that's the that it all kicks off. That was two weeks into your tenure here. So I mean, that, that's yeah, it's been a wow, yeah. um, very quick, yeah. very fast. Um, in in some ways, it was good that you're in that room because you've got to you had all the decision or a lot of the decision makers around you um, to, to to make things happen fast. And I think that's been one of the one of the signs we've seen out of across New Zealand is. How quick and how hard, people, um, uh, not only government but also companies and, and, and provinces have made their changes, um, and that's I think it's why we're, we're coming through this. You mentioned there are some good things going to be coming out of this. What, what, what are the um, what are the good things? I mean, part of it is, is is going to be that people getting used to this virtual comms, which for for a large region is going to be good for you. What are the, what are the big what are the good things are you seeing it coming out of coming out the other I side think, of this? Um, I think what it's what it's doing, Paul, is just challenging people's uh, thought process. So, so I think I think the good the good stuff's going to come further down the track, right? So, um, right right here and now, trust me, uh, it might look like a duck on the water, but I'm paddling hard underneath the water. We got we got some we got some hard yards to get through in the next couple of months. Um, and I think, look, one of the things that's been a real benefit for me is coming in with uh, fresh eyes and almost a naivety. And I, I look at, I look at rugby, and um, and I think there's a there's an opportunity for us to do it better than what we're currently doing it at the moment. And I think there'll be a lot of people looking at it like that. It's interesting. Um, I've been I've been watching a lot of commentary or, or that's coming out of the UK and Europe. And to me, it's a relief. Uh, there's some comments, and I, I, I try to grab them and just send them with the staff. So some of the best thing that stuff that's coming out, I can't quite remember the clubs, but I think the club that looked that uh, took on Waisaki Naholo, they're basically saying we lost four million pound last year. We're going to lose eight million pound this year. This just isn't sustainable. We are only going to be hiring local boys. If this is if this is going to anywhere overseas, that's the best news I've heard because we're losing so much of our second and tier, third tier players out there. And, and what and what we've created, if, when I look back at it, we've created this this market of demand that's probably you know New Zealand um, New Zealand went into in '96 when we went into professional. We kind of it happened, and there was some arm wrestle. We had the uh, the World Rugby Circus that was. And it kind of ratcheted the values up, and and over time, um, and while Super Rugby was developing, and we had a great game and great crowds, you know, the demand was kind of being matched by salaries. I think we got to a point now where um, we're probably paying too much, you know, in terms of it's just not sustainable at the moment. The financials, particularly from a Northern Rugby perspective, are just not sustainable. You can see it's a house of cards. You take away some of the elements out of it, and it's all—it's for—it's forcing decisions like this. So if we can't take this opportunity to step back and look at our game, um, you know, uh, it would be great if we didn't lose second and third tier Northern boys to go overseas. And I think I think the Northern clubs would be even stronger if they had their own fellas in the game. You know, so so that demand that lures our players away is something that New Zealand rugby works really hard to try and keep players here. I totally, totally understand that. But from a Northland perspective, Mitre 10 Cup um, could be uh, not... Mitre 10 Cup has a natural element in its tribalism. Like, not just culturally, but obviously for Northland with its um, natural cultural alignment to Napui. You know, but um, you know, the Waikato will always want to go the knuckle with us and Bay of Plenty and Taranaki because of that tribalism, and and it didn't seem to 
ever transpire into Super Rugby. I, you know, I jumped from Super Rugby teams. I was a Oliver's Army fan when the Hurricanes first came out because we lived down there. When we moved to the Waikato, it easily aligned with what Dave Rennie and the team did around the Waikato mana. They've, they've got a great alignment with community there. And, and and now I was just ready to jump back into bed with the Blues because, you know, I've got uh, a couple of local boys and Tom Robinson and uh, Josh Goodhue and Jordan Highland and Sam Nock in the team. So, but that's kind of, it's but, but it's interesting. I will, st- I will always be through and through a butcher's boy, Wanganui in the Heartland competition. And for some reason, I aligned with Northland as well, and obviously my heart's there. So, so how can we how can we grow on that? And some of it, you know, there's some ideas. I know New Zealand rugby's throwing ideas around how we create content for Sky, how they create content for Sky. You know, they're talking about some really great ideas, like bringing the North South games back, and maybe maybe you know, if we went to province of origin, so you play your provincial rugby for where you first registered that would get all the northern boys that we are struggling to get back that have gone off to play rugby somewhere else, you know. Played their first 15 rugby. I think we've got 106 boys that are playing rugby uh, in other colleges. So Northland's making a lot of other first 15s look great because, you know, look, the talent up here is insane. And uh, and those other colleges are smart. Um but in terms of if, if we could get the local players back into our national provincial championship, uh, then the kids in the community see them and you get that connection. And I reckon we could get the I reckon we could get greater numbers around uh, club junior level certainly. And that's not just for that's not just, not just for might of ten. We've got some you know incredibly talented uh, female athletes in our Cody and the Farah Palmer competition so so if we could connect them back and look some of the some of the conversations is New Zealand rugby are really they've got a huge challenge on their hand they're trying to you know get content for Sky and um, you know at the moment Super Rugby is still a very viable option you know it's a, it is a good product it's got um, it's got legs um, but as time progresses you know, it, it, it may, and this isn't a debate between Super versus Mitre 10, but it may put greater emphasis on Mitre 10. If they can get Mitre 10 on Sky, well, that creates seven games a week. And if we're the only country in the world that's got some a competition going, you know, the world will beat a path to watch anything at the moment. Someone said to me the other day that I think Uzbekistan is the only country in the world still playing sport, and their table tennis champs have got a huge amount of support and focus. You know, so if we could get... Um, and even the fallback position. Let's 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 consider the scenario. If you don't play super, you don't play all black tests. You don't play minor ten. Even if we could just play six to eight weeks of, and the good Hugh boys are playing for Motawa Kawakawa United, and all the super boys all around the country back out with their clubs into the community. You know, there might be there, there might be some of that silver lining in there, but there's I think we've got a chance to reset around financial expectations as to what we can afford to pay. You know, and, and because you know we need to be it's still about the balance between community, and I think we've lost some of that connection with community and the elements of our game. And 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 in saying that, I look at myself first and foremost, and Northland are driving that really really hard. To, reconnect so so yeah so so what does the you know i i really get excited when i see um the frenchman uh was talking about the world rugby club championship again I, you know i just think i just think you know that would offer so much i'd drive down to auckland to watch the blues or um play leinster or something like that because the quality of the game and uh the crowds they get over there and it's better than what we're getting here at the moment. So there's something, you know, and, and that's tribalism too. You know, it's like Kiwis will always want to go and give the, with all due respect, the, the English a, 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 a poke on the nose. Um, and I, I think that would be a, that would be a great competition. So so how do we step back from this? And and going back to the McKinsey report, I always I, I when I first saw it, I thought that's a bit of window dressing. It doesn't go far enough to look at the strategic changes we need to make to our game. So so that's the stuff that gets me excited. And, and how can we prepare Northland to be in a better state 
when we press go. So around our communication, how we look after sponsors, stakeholders. So use this time um, to plan for the future. Uh, that, I'm quite excited about that, actually. Cam, uh, Paul, I'm going to jump in. I've just got a couple of quick questions uh, just in and, in and around your coaches. Now, I was, I was lucky enough, uh, I think it was late last year, I popped up to the Dargaville Sevens and had a really, really good catch up with George Cornier. Now, this was way before he was announced as the as the head coach for Northam. But something that really impressed me was his a lot of his corridor in and around the community feel, how we could bring the game back to the community. And I've also got to say the same thing, dealing with Graham Jews over the over the years. I've always found Graham very, very forth, forthcoming when it comes to talking about his team, the competition, even even his time as the development coach, what, what they could do better. And I loved what he did at Waipu. I said, listen, how did you get these Waipu players to believe? He said, mate, I took them back to grassroots. I got a local komato in. We learnt a little bit about the, 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 the kaupapa of that particular uh, wahi or area. And um, because players needed to know what they were playing for. And I just have a funny feeling they're going to take that same kaupapa to Northam. Now, a couple of couple of questions here. These two coaches, what's your, what's, your, what's your thoughts on them? I don't know if you were involved with the interview process, but these guys really impressed me. Yeah, hey, look, Stephen, I, th- I think uh, this, this, <laughs> there's so many things you said just then. I just want to jump in and say, totally agree. You know, I'm, I'm far too new into the role to have had any uh, uh, input into their decision-making, but, but when they are successful, I'll be the first one to jump in and take credit for their success. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, wait. Um, so listen, they, look, I, 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 I popped down to the gym to have a uh, catch-up with Graham and George several times. And uh, I remember George when he was playing. In fact, I found some footage of a North North-South game uh, where John Olamu as an 18-year-old and, and George was playing in that game. So it was quite cool. So, yeah, so listen, um, and just, you know, you make an assessment when you meet and talk with people. Is their engagement back to community was exactly what we need. So it's, it's, it's you know, uh, what they're doing, I'm echoing uh, in my role. So uh, the the. the the thing for those two in particular, I'm just absolutely gutted that this thing has kind of put a press pause on the stuff that we're doing. We had a we had a um, catch up with all the contracted players yesterday, and and you know you could see by the attendance, you know we had we had all bar two or three players there. They were all engaged. They're all the the banter was positive, um, so they're clearly doing the right thing. But um, Stephen, in terms of uh, what you're saying around, if we can if we can connect even stronger to who we are, where we all came from, and uh, Northland will be unstoppable. You know, it's like, and that's the thing. It talked about. I, I, I talked about briefly before. You know, the the the, the Waikato Chiefs' mana, their connection to community. I think you know. When they when they won that first title in 2012, you know they broke out a hucker that was tight. Like I'd never seen it, but they'd been practicing it obviously. And when they came out and they were leading it with Liam Messon, it was you you could see that those guys and, and had practiced it and they were proud of who they were. We can do the same thing up here. You know we've got uh, such strong roots and 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 Napui, uh, you know such a pride. Uh, such a proud uh, uh, people. If we can reflect that character in the way we play, you know, we'll we'll have the same level of success as as, as Chiefs. So that's the piece that's frustrating. We can't sort of we can't sort of execute on those elements that are, that are coming through. And and if, you know, if we could get more more of our our boys back from the Aucklands and other areas, that that would just add to it as well. So yeah, listen. I've been I've been really impressed with uh, Georgia and Graham, and you know, and they're both they've got a quiet, understated manner in which they go about doing their business, and I've got huge respect for that. Huge respect. The 
before this kicks off, I was having a chat with Mike Rogers, the CEO of um, Bay of Plenty, and he was talking about the the macro changes in rugby of how it's changing from being a uh, a union invested and owned sport to a investor or private investor sort of investors and owned sports in things like lower rapid rugby, major league rugby, uh, and the and the Euro- European clubs. So do you see that taking a bit of a hit with this whole? Um, with, with 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 the reset of as you say of teams like London Irish, looking at um, going back and uh, hiring uh, and doing look, looking more locally and hiring more locally. I've heard the same thing out of the French clubs as well. So it's a bit of a big it, question. It's interesting, Mike. <laughs> yeah, listen, Mike. Mike's uh, Mike's got more experience in the space, and 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 uh, he'd be better placed than I. But I guess I guess again from uh, fresh eyes coming in. I, I hope it evolves a change that gives um, the governing bodies better flexibility to have competitions that are better suited for the audience, right? So I think one of the things that the frustrations with the international program, so when they're talking about having an international calendar, which has a lot of logic behind it, both at club level and uh, internationally, the thing that seems to restrict them over there is the control that the private investors have on the club players not being able to release them. So if it can affect the change in that space, um, that would be great because I think the thing we need to connect with is what do our audiences and community want to actually see? You know, it's all very well that we think this this package here is, is what they're after and what they want. It might not be. I think, you know, Marketing 101 says... Engage with your audience or your target audience. Find out what they want. Come back into your organisation and see if you can deliver to them at a profit to you. So, it's a, I think it's a great it's a great reset opportunity around that. Um, I think there's one of the clubs I was just reading. Um, it sold it sold for a pound. I think the numbers they said were the revenues were twelve point one million. And their costs or their their salary bill was twelve point seven. Well, there's a seven hundred thousand gap, and I'm sure there's other costs. So, so the the model at the moment, if you and I think probably one of the when you get private investors, and I think um, you know English football uh, is it EPL, yep. English Premier League. They some of these some of these um, people invest in it. There's a big ego element. Now, New Zealand rugby doesn't, you know, one of, the, one of the benefits of New Zealand rugby is as much as we want to go around and beat each other up, is that I, I don't see egos coming into play. Nobody wants, you know, there's, it's New Zealand, I, I might attend and fire a Palmer Cup or National Provincial Unions, uh, Heartland. We can't go away from the community ownership. That's, if, we, if we lose that, we're in trouble because that's where we started from. That's where we grow from. And listen, one of the big, one of the, the decision, the big, the biggest decision that's been made recently that I have the 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 utmost respect for is the Heartland competition, right? So those unions in that competition made a decision not to play their competition this year. It, in effect, it saves a bit of money for New Zealand rugby, but they were not prepared to play or sacrifice their club season. So. You know, that's grassroots rugby, man. If you've been to any of those games, um, they are passionate, man. So, you know, we are just a, another level of them. I don't think we're any better than them. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see more engagement with the Heartland community from uh, the Mitre 10 competition because I think we are one. And uh, the, more we can, the more we can represent that, the better we will be. So I think, yeah, keep... keep Private ownership certainly out of our provincial game. Crikey! On that, <laughs> on, on that note, um, yeah, I mean, the, the only time that the Heartland Championships get to play the My Ten Cup teams is uh, basically preseason games against the Ranfurly Shield um, holder. So uh, I guess yeah, my plea: have some um, preseason games against Heartland Championship teams. Um, it would would be what I would say is, is, is a step in the, it's a step in that direction. Um, for the I think I think that's I think that's I think that's a great idea. Seriously, and that's what that's what this is up. You know, even if it was a development team or there was there was some interaction, but um, 
listen, first and foremost, we haven't had the Ramfley Shield since 78, and I was listening to Phil Holtz tell a story about uh, the final play of that game, how he, uh, Wacken, um, he or the, the loose forward trio played to stop the Man of Two drop goal expert. There's a great story, and you listen to guys like that talk about it, uh, we want to have the shield back here one day. You know, 78 is a long time between drinks, so uh, I'll, I'll be putting our requirements ahead of the Heartland competition to get a challenge uh, with all due respect. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, yeah. Having having talked to, I talked to the uh, the, um, the CEO of, uh, of of Otago when they had it uh, in the off season. And he said, "Yeah, we had a few cheeky challenges that, that they turned down very <laughs> for pre-seasons." Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I was going to say, guys, that uh, Renfrewley Shield challenge. I was, uh, I've relayed a story to a few people. That's the 1978 challenge between Manawatu and uh, and Northland when when we pretty much went down there as a as a huge underdog and Chippy through the boot of Chippy Seminoff who kicked four penalties, but there were seven minutes of overtime in that game. And I can, rec- <laughs> I can recall coming out of school to catch my school bus, listening to a caretaker's radio. Uh, and we, we hung around. I actually missed my school bus home and we listened to those seven mi- minutes and it was absolutely nerve wracking. It's, it's incredible what you remember as a, as a Northland supporter, but I remember that big time, as I do with another famous Northland match in 2001 at Eden Park when Northland beat a star-studded Auckland team. Uh, that was the first game by um, we first time we saw Rupini Thauthau Nambutha and uh, Northland won 43-42, I think it was. Uh, man, best best night of my life. And uh, also that, that Ranfilly Shield. You know, our, our victories are, are, are far and few between, so... Wouldn't it be great to see a Northern team that gives something back to its public over the years? Looking forward to it. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and that, that game as well, the 78 Shield game from a Wanganui perspective, the referee was uh, Bill Adam from Wanganui. And uh, a lot of my uh, Massey University mates don't let me get away with uh, how he stole the Shield off them. So, but it's but isn't that what our game is all about? It's all about those special memories, those one games. And and listen, Stephen, if there's one thing I know, everybody that pulls on the Cambridge Blues uh, and that's sitting behind, they want nothing more than to just you know consistently win. Um, we just need to pull all the threads together for Northland, and I I am absolutely confident that um, we will. We will send people home from uh, Seminoff Stadium knowing that they have been in a fight. You know, you won't get a you won't get an easy win over us. It's funny how you mentioned moments and in, in time at the beginning when you mentioned Joe Joe Morgan and that second test in South Africa. By the way, that was at at Bloemfontein, and I tell you what, it, it looked like Northland during a drought season that uh, particular ground at the time. But the name of the referee was a guy called Gert Besaidenhund. Funny how you never forget it. <laughs> you never forget a name. But you know, I'm not a guy that holds grudges, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. The, the the way that I've seen the rest of the season panning out is that we'll probably have a. I thought we'd have a home and away short Super Rugby, and then the minor ten cup cancelled, and then all the Super Rugby players and all black players into club rugby because I can see how New Zealand rugby can afford to sort of bail out or or, or keep fourteen provinces alive. I can't see how they can keep a thousand clubs alive without clubs having games. Um, so we, we have to get that club season and get people in the bars and, and having a few drinks in the clubs. Um, it, it was my thought, and I think seeing those Super Rugby players and those All Blacks playing for their clubs again would be uh, would be fantastic. It'd be a nightmare for me trying to cover that many games, but um, it'd be great to see those guys back playing at that level. Um, yeah, look, look at what I, I do. I do, I, I do disagree with you. I think, I think minor ten has got a great shot of being played, and 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 that's our starting position. We've said to New Zealand rugby, Northland will be at the starting line for a fourteen-team competition and for the Farah Palmer Cup. But there's some big decisions need to be decided before um, us and a lot of other unions. You know, there's some unions that are in a worse position than us financially. Absolutely. So we've got to look at the. Not being disrespectful, the lowest common denominator, and just look at if if a if, a, if another provincial union is severely uh, at risk of pulling out. Well, what can be done to make sure that they get to the starting line? Because the content, 
that MITRE 10 will provide for Sky is significant and, and the revenue gain from a New Zealand perspective is is, is crucial. So I haven't, yeah, we're, st- we're still playing MITRE 10 Cup and we'll be fronting up there with 14 other teams. Northland will not be uh, pulling out before any anybody else. So, yeah, a lot of water to go on. You can just see the, 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 the number of scenarios, you know, and, and even, even when I was talking to the um, players, Tom Robinson said, oh, look, I've heard a rumour that uh, we'll play Super Rugby up to this date, and then might and then might attend, and the final will be played on Christmas Day. No, <laughs> 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 oh, true, true. That's that's exactly what he said. And I said, well, that sounds like a really interesting story, but I've heard nothing like that. So that's the thing we've just got to be careful of: is that there'll be there'll be rumours floating around out there, and I, and and I've made myself open to our community to make sure that we dispel any of that, and that's why we're communicating so heavily with everyone to. Just to deal with backs. To, to, to be clear, that that, that, that was a, a an opinion, not a not a. a yeah, a, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. oh, imagine that. Uh, well, I think Christmas Day is probably the wrong day because everyone should be at home. But a, <laughs> but but imagine a Boxing Day final or a New Year's Day final. Boxing Day semi-finals, New Year's Day final. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Sorry, um, I'm now. <laughs> Paul, Paul, no, no, Paul, Paul, I was going to say if you've met. Alistair Robinson, who's uh, Tom Robinson's dad, I think Tom has actually inherited his father's sense of humour. So I, I just think that might that may have been a bit of a pee take on on his part. Look, it could very well be, but like this is you know, and then you get into the logistics of if we do push the season out. Uh, so we're talking with Sport Northland around the impact on the summer sports. So if you can imagine the facilities, there's a there's also a protocol to get back to play. So if we move to level three, I don't think we can play at that stage. But if we get to level two, I'm not too sure. I think I don't know what the what the rules are, but we will adhere to the the health and safety of our community is first and foremost. So, you know, Ministry of Health will drive that, but we will also work in conjunction with other sports. So, you know, we just can't take the fields that cricket would be. There's got to be some give and take once we get down to that end of the season. So we are talking. Uh, a lot with Sport Northland uh, to make sure that we work in with that. Great, um, Stephen. Any final comments? I know we've 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 taken up a lot of uh, cameras' time. It's been oh. very very generous. Yeah, just just probably one more that always plays out. We 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 spoke before about revenue streams and and sponsors. I always wondered, Cam. Usually, you have one or two really really big sponsors, or maybe three or four that that you look after. But we we spoke the other day about having a a lot of smaller sponsors, but also, do you think these unions should be looking at uh, alternate revenue streams, like maybe being involved in their own business, especially to sort of sustain their union moving forward? Because I, I thought when this original module came out, I remember the salary cap being over a million dollars, but if you sort of look at a, a union like Northam, I would imagine you've got a much smaller salary cap than any other union around the country, yeah. but... It, I guess it's a, I guess it's a real, a, a real tough one. But do you, do you sort of agree with that, that line of thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, no, I think, I think, uh, sitting within that, there's, it's, it's again, what the opportunity for us to do things better is absolutely out there. So yes, um, having some key name sponsors is absolutely crucial, just for the naming. But I think there's a different way of doing it. If we can go out to get, um, and so, and this is where collaborating with other unions around what they're doing, is getting a wider support base around a whole lot of smaller businesses around the community that, you know, rather than asking for a couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, just we go to them and say, listen, here's a package for, uh, you know, an affordable amount, and we're going to give you a jersey and, and access to the game and players and all those sort of, changing the model, but certainly, yes, you are right, we do have... Uh, probably the smallest uh, player salary cap, but even that's got to come down. So the discussions with New Zealand Rugby and New Zealand Players Association is a crucial element in all this, not just now, but also going into the future. Great. Thank you so much for your time, Cameron. It's been really enlightening uh, and it's been a a fantastic chat. Uh, Thank you, um, all the uh, listeners. I hope you hope to see you if you're in if you're in Northland. Get down to the minus ten cup games. 
Um, I will be there in the press box. Stephen will be in the uh, well. Actually, well, we'll have to see with Radio Sport as whether whether he is or not in the uh, the commentary box. Oh, yeah. um, but I think between the two of us, we only missed one game last year uh, during the Minor Ten Cup up up at uh, up, up there in Seminole Stadium. Um, so yes, please uh, give a like uh, to the New Zealand uh, Sports Radio uh, Facebook page, uh, or if you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe um, to it as well. Thank you, Karen, for your time. Thank you. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.